and welcome along to the Transformation Podcasts for Colston Hall. I'm Harriet Robinson, a Bristol local, journalist and massive music fan. If you're from the region, you're almost certainly aware that one of the biggest refurbs in Bristol's history is taking place right now. With a budget of £48.8 million, it's the largest arts capital programme ever to take place in the southwest. But modernisation doesn't end with bricks and mortar. There's an entire philosophy at play here, informing complicated decisions and propelling this ambitious project forward. And here we're going to take a look at the most complicated, complex and controversial of all the decisions so far. Any discussion about name and branding also leads to discussions about culture and values. And I think that's the journey everyone's on now. And that values and culture is actually probably more important than the name. The Pineapple Project is drawing upon history to acknowledge Edward Colston, but see what's happening now as well and see how we can be more inclusive in today's society. This is not the way that we want to present ourselves. It's not the way Bristol should be seen. So therefore, my announcement today to you is that we will, in 2020, reopen with a new name. Louise Mitchell, Chief Exec of Bristol Music Trust, the charity that runs Colston Hall, speaking in April last year. The renaming of the venue, ending its perceived association with the Royal African Company slave trader Edward Colston, made an impact across the world. The new direction has been welcomed by many as progress when it comes to how we commemorate colonial figures. For others, it's an attempt to airbrush the past. In this podcast, we'll discover more about the impact of this landmark change and what it means for the future of the hall. We're sticking with our future. On the way, some excitable, forward-looking children from Cotton Gardens Primary. I'll find out why they thought it was important to remove Colston from their school name. Plus, a pineapple orchestra. I kid you not. But right now I'm joined by Louise Mitchell, Chief Executive of Bristol Music Trust and Marty Burgess, a venue owner, lawyer and trustee of the Trust. Louise, I guess let's go to you first. This was a unanimous decision by the Board of Trustees, so what was the drive to to make this decision? We've got a huge building transformation underway at the moment. We're becoming a different organisation and we really want to be part of the city and we want to be able to relate to all communities and all sorts of music and that's what we fought for. So it felt like a new start and the right thing to do. And what was the reaction after you announced it? Oh, it was a huge thing to do and there was a lot of reaction on both sides and every side of the argument everybody had an opinion about it which in a way was good because they were engaged in the future of music i think it it really showed the passion people have for the hall how important it is to them and their memories but i think quite a lot of the um, opinion was ill-informed on why the hall was named colston anyway For you being a board member, what was kind of crucial for you in in making this decision? It felt like we had to do the right thing, not only for us as an organisation, but also for the city. And I think the thinking and the the discussions we had led us to the right decision. And what's your personal reflection on the decision? Is it kind of a... A moral standpoint? What, how do you feel for me personally, it was always about the moral standpoint and the fact that um, if we're going to be the premier hall in Bristol and you're, you're going to engage with everybody, you can't be named after somebody who transported 
hundreds of thousands of people across the Atlantic to you know a life of utter a hardship so yeah for me it was the moral thing but not everybody but I think um, essentially that, that that's where we ended up with I think it. so yeah I mean I, I, there was a really clear direction there was no real dissent I mean there was a lot of debate around the issues and there was yeah. debate about how we handled it and we had a huge big meeting where representatives of all our stakeholders were there and our PR company were there and you know all the people that were going to help us make that transition but there wasn't a, a voice against it I think everybody no, really felt that for me the thing that really made the difference was the views of the staff um, and the fact that there was a perception amongst some communities that this place wasn't for them because of that association now I would argue that it's a very tenuous association but the fact is that it was there and if it's there you've got to take it seriously so for me that was the reason and we didn't ever doubt that you can't do something which isolates a group of people and the name did isolate a group of people This seems like a good point for you to hear about an extraordinary creative project I was lucky enough to experience recently. You remember I mentioned a pineapple orchestra earlier? Well, it's true. I met artist Savinda Buell and she gave me the lowdown. The pineapple project kind of evolved from making one instrument as an animation piece and I went around the streets of Ecuador with it and just happened to get a really good response from the public and realised that it was bringing people together and it created conversations. When I heard about the name change, I thought this was going to be the perfect forum for this project and I approached Colston Hall, who at the time were looking for ways to open up this discussion and I approached them and told them about the history of the pineapple and that this project could really fit in art can make people think in a different way or from a different perspective or angle and also if you're bringing people together like that everyone's got different opinions and in a way these instruments are quite fun so it's almost like they're disarming if you like to begin with and they create an open forum for conversation and what a great way to do it through the pineapple hello welcome When people come through the door, they'll see uh, 12 pineapple instruments, all of different sizes and shapes, and they all look like individual characters. The instruments are made of wood, gourds, string, and they're based on world instruments. They incorporate pineapple tops, which are attached to a spindle that rotates once you pull a bow up and down. As you pull the bow up and down, the leaves hit the strings of the instrument to create sound. Yeah, so we'll have everyone coming in at the same time, and then I'll point to people to do kind of battered solos. Okay, everyone in? Here we go. One, two, three, four. And so it's very exciting to see not only how the people play the instruments, but also what they say to each other. That's the idea. When we're bringing people together, People have different ideas and different viewpoints and maybe ordinarily they, they would not come into this group forum to discuss them. And then interesting conversations come out of that. For example, one man told me that he was really against the name change. So this is a guy I just sit next to outside the community centre on the park bench. His viewpoint was that he wanted the original name to stay so that people would acknowledge slavery in times to come whereas to change that name would, for him, almost cover up the fact that it ever happened. If it wasn't for the Pineapple Project, I would not be having this conversation 
with somebody on a bench and therefore they then get to have a voice in this discussion too through the project. The Pineapple Project engages with new audiences in, in terms of not everybody who's coming to this project has been here before. They may know about Holston Hall, but not everyone has come through the doors. So when they come here, what I'm hoping is that they get a feeling of ownership over the space and hopefully then that they'll feel more comfortable to come to a place like Holston Hall. The Pineapple Project is drawing upon history to think of how we can be inclusive in society today and acknowledge that history of Edward Colston and then see how we can address things now because still now, in 2018, there's a lot of things to be addressed. Great stuff from Savinda Buell. Now I'm still with Louise Mitchell, Chief Exec of Bristol Music Trust and Marty Burgess, Bristol lawyer and trustee of the same charity. Do you think that taking the reference to Colston out of it completely can be seen as whitewashing? There's two kind of urban myths that come up on my desk almost every day. One is that we're trying to whitewash history and that's an evil thing to do. And B is that we're turning our back on someone that was a benefactor for our organisation. And now neither of those are true. And it doesn't matter in a way how often you say that, that's still coming through. So my mission over the next couple of years of transformation is to make sure that absolutely everybody that want, needs to know about that really does understand our position. And I think the change inspired a, a huge debate. I think more people know the history than ever before now, so I don't see how you can whitewash stuff by <laughs> bringing it to everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think the Hall's relationship with the city has changed over the years then, or, or even just recently? Yeah, I think the relationship with the city is deeper now because we do more. The music mm. Trust isn't just about putting on pop concerts, which is essentially what happened here before pre the trust taken over where now you've got Bristol Place Music, you've got the hub, all of these things have built a, a deeper relationship with the city. We take very seriously our contribution to making Bristol a great city. I mean, you know, there's quite a lot and we've got the joyous bits to do. You know, some people have to do transport, but we do the, we do the fun bit. And, you know, we do that. We try and do that for everybody. And it's, it's really important to us. And it's very central to who we are as an organisation as well. Our policy, if you like, if it's policy is a bit of a grand word, but what we do is if it's good for Bristol, we're up for it. If it's good for music, we're up for it. And then moving towards the name change, obviously, that's more than just a rebrand so how is the the changing the name going to open the organization to new relationships and and audiences in bristol i want to use it to show that we are a very different organization and we're taking the opportunity in the next couple of years to without navel gazing just look at what we've done the last seven years have been really quick I mean, Marty knows this as a trustee, yep. you know, the stuff that's happened. And we've done it fast, we've done it as well as we can, but we all know that there are a few things that we'd like to have another look at and do a little bit more deeply uh, and a little bit more thoughtfully than has been possible so that we can actually grow our usefulness and just think about what we're doing a little bit more. What makes this venue special? For me, it's, it's the memories, mm. because every time I walk in and go in... It, I get another memory of something else happened here. For me, that's me mm. personally. And when we came to the Olympic yeah. show, I was really emotional just yes. seeing footage of concerts that I just heard about, which is kind of like the myths that so-and-so played here, but actually seeing it. And uh, there was a moment when they um, had the clip of Bob Marley. Yeah. And my mum and dad remember that. And that actually, I don't know, some sort of transferred emotional thing from them. So I think for me, that's it. It's about 
if you're a concert hall in a city, everyone who lives here will have some connection with it. Or everyone who lives here should have some connection yeah. with it. So for me, that's what it's about. Yeah, we were looking at sort of future aspirations and things yeah. the other day. Um, and one of the strap lines that came out was the best gig of your life every week, yeah. um, which I thought was, you know, everybody's got one of those. Now, somebody in the box office came up with that idea. and I think it's really lovely because that's what we should be doing. You know, whoever you are, there should be some way into to, to really having a great time here. Mm. Um, how are you going to make sure you, you keep hold of these qualities moving forward then? By keeping the same spirit going, by celebrating the past, by reflecting the community that we serve, by making sure we get all the great gigs here. So the name, how is this going to be decided? Because some people thought it was going to go out to a public vote. That's not going to happen, is it? Ultimately, it's a decision for our trustees. We will, of course, consult with the City Council because they, they're freeholders of the building. And we're going through a process at the moment, not about what the name is, but who we are, what we want to do, what are the principles behind what we do. And this is an example where we can actually spend a bit of time doing that. Yeah, I think any discussion about name and branding also leads to discussions about culture and values. And I think mm. that's the journey what everyone's on now. And that values and culture is actually probably more important than the name i think so yeah i mean it's the name of a concert building it's it's and it's important but it's not actually the essence of it the essence of it is the work we do and who we think we are and what our contribution to society is and you know for those of us who are really passionate about it you know how music can change lives and that's that's what we're for we have to have something to call it and we will have are we going to find out the name when the hall reopens about a year from now possibly you know at the latest at the beginning of 2020 everyone will be passionate about it yeah, hope, and everyone will I have an opinion so. yeah or they will which will be uh, great marketing it will and in a way i'd like to get that over with um, before we then do the look at what you've got this fantastic building and this is what we're going to do in it because it's not about the building it's about what it gives to the city it's going to be a while before we find out what the venue will be called when it reopens in 2020, but already the decision is having an impact across the city. One primary school has become another institution to change its name. Colston's primary school is now Cotton Gardens Primary, and I had the pleasure of meeting a handful of the children that pioneered the way. Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I am Aaron. Hi, I'm Matthew. In class, we talked about Colston's Edward's wife and children and when he was born and when he died. I remember, like, learning about how Edward Colston had slave-traded and built loads of schools and hospitals in Bristol and about when he nearly died but the dolphin saved him and like I remember the vote when we were voting to change the name so most people voted to change the name but some people voted not to so the vote was won by the people who wanted to change the name. I voted yes because we were showing other people in this country that we are supporting somebody bad so we should have changed the name so we're supporting something good. I voted to not change the school because what if people wanted to go to Colston Primary School but they changed the name so they couldn't find it and plus it would change history. I think it was important to change the name because he was like a slave trader and he traded like coins and like 
money to get slaves, and that's a bad thing. It was important to change the name because everybody maybe wanted to change the name and nobody liked Edward Colston because he was a slavery. I'm proud of my school because um, you can learn loads of things and go to fun school trips. I am proud of my school because they were the trailblazers to be the first to change their name. Some pint-sized pundits from Cotton Gardens Primary School, another Bristol institution that decided to drop Colston from its name. I'm at Bristol Music Trust HQ, Colston Hall, with Louise Mitchell, the charity's chief exec, and Marty Burgess. What does the name change mean for the future of this venue? I think it means a new start. Those of us that have been working on getting the money together and getting the political will together to give Bristol a concert building that's fit for purpose. You know, it's been a long haul, so it's it's really, really exciting. Yeah, that's what I think. It's like a, like a watershed moment, not only for the hall, for the city as well. Thank you very much, Marty, and thank you to you, Louise. Thank you. You're very welcome. In our next Transformation podcast, we'll be meeting the team that's revolutionising the venue when it comes to accessibility, ensuring the regional arts sector reflects and includes everyone, and the life-changing power of music excludes no one. To hear other podcasts in this series and to find out more about the transformation, please visit colstonhall.org slash transformthehall. To join our conversation and keep up to date with the latest stories, follow hashtag transformthehall.